1: today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
0: Real love is calling, listen. Truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is for with every
2: sunrise. When we're in the middle of something difficult, the natural tendency, of course, is I just want to escape this. I just want out of this. And, you know... It's wonderful when God sometimes does just deliver us out of it. But a lot of times what he wants us to see is his grace through it. Because sometimes the only way that we get to experience and witness the goodness and the grace of God is by the way he sustains us through it. This
1: is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through the book of Acts. God sees you through your storm. In today's message, you'll hear the story of Paul sailing to Rome and spending two weeks facing a huge storm in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Sometimes God wants you to see his grace through your storm. You'd probably rather escape it or avoid it, but it's only through storms that you see the miraculous hand of God in your favor. Pastor Gary will teach that when in a storm, you should do your best and leave the rest to God. You'll learn how Paul did his part and watched God take care of the rest. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Acts chapter 27 for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
2: Paul says here, man, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and our own lives. Point number one in our list, God has given us common sense. Use it. This is a guy just with common sense at this point. It's this not a prophetic word, not in this context. He's just saying, you know what, I, I'm an experienced sailor here. I've been around, you know, the Mediterranean a few times. This isn't a good time of year for us to go sailing. You guys realize that? There's potential for danger out here. Well, verse 11, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think the advice of the owner of the ship's going to be on this? I mean, he's got a lot of merchandise here. He's got some grain. He's got got some stuff. He's got to get to market. He's got to get to wherever he needs to go. He's got an embargo here that he's got to unload, and he's got to get paid for. All right? And the pilot, if they don't get to where they're going, and the owner doesn't get paid for what's on the ship, the pilot isn't going to get paid. So just keep that in the back of your mind. All right, so the centurion didn't listen to Paul, followed the advice instead of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Verse 12, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority, circle that, decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was the harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. All right, so they decided, you know what, let's just push on. I heard Phoenix, Arizona's got some really dry weather this time of year. And so let's just press on. It's good for our joints. No, Phoenix actually is at the northwestern, uh, and and it's just right on the, on the tip of the island there, so it, it faces both northwest and southwest. And it had, if you look closer at a map of Crete, there is like this, kind of looks like a field goal in the contour of the land that actually looks like a natural harbor. And it would be good, and often back in the day, they would... They would spend winter within that harbor because it had some protection against storms this time of year. But notice what's going on here. Paul's like, you know what? It would be wise for us not to travel this time of year. Centurion goes, I'm going to listen to the pilot. I'm going to listen to the owner. And then it says the majority decided it's good to set sail. Here's point number two, folks. Don't allow money or the majority to drive a decision. How many of you understand that money Money is a good slave but it's a terrible master and when we start making decisions based on money now it it may be a factor in the decision but it better not be the factor and a lot of times unfortunately people make a lot of decisions sometimes life changing decisions because of money don't make major decisions just solely because of money it can be disastrous things that happen so Be careful about making decisions solely on the basis of money. Money shouldn't drive our decisions. It may be a factor. It's good to be wise stewards of what God has given us, but we shouldn't be motivated by greed. We shouldn't be motivated by more, because more is not necessarily what God wants. Sometimes God wants less, but because we never think less translates to success, we always want to opt for more, thinking that's the better deal, that must be God's will. And all I'm saying is pray about it, because sometimes money is a terrible barometer for what God's will is. Secondly, how many of you understand the majority is not always right? And in this case, we're going to see, once again, the majority is not right. We need to get God's heart on things. We need to stop listening to what just a plurality of people say in our life. We need to hear. There's one singular voice that you and I need to hear over the clamor of all the plurality of people. We need to hear the voice of the Lord. And we need to be willing when it is necessary to stand alone and be a part of the proud minority instead of being guided just because a majority of people say it must be true or it must be right. Okay, Don't allow the majority to run your life. And don't let money run your life. Because what we're going to see here is they get into a disastrous situation. Now, God's going to redeem all this for mainly the purpose of protecting Paul. What we're going to see is because God's hand is on Paul's life, he's going to protect everybody else, which is comforting to know because God's got a plan for your life. Next time you get on that airplane, he's going to protect all those people because of you. And they don't even know it. Anyway, that's point number two. Look here now at verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Now, they're just wanting to go to Phoenix, right? So they're just wanting to go. It's about 40 miles from where they are at Fair Havens in the retirement home over to Phoenix, Arizona. It's only 40 miles. So that's all they have to go. So they're thinking, we're just going to set sail out a little bit off of the southern part of Crete. And we're just going to ease our way around to the harbor at Phoenix. And all's going to go well. doesn't go so well. Look what happens. Verse 14, before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the nor'easter swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Syrtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And verse 20 says, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. It was only supposed to be a three-hour tour. Now if you're too young to remember Gilligan's Island, then I just lost you completely on that joke. But anyway, now here's the thing. Um, why is it, verse 20, why is it so important when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days? Why is that an important point? How did you navigate back in the day? You didn't, have, you didn't have compasses and you didn't have GPS systems, okay? You navigated by the sun during the day and by the stars at night. And when it is storming so that everything's overcast, you don't have sun and you don't have the stars and you're being driven along by the wind and they're just dropping anchor to try to give some kind of, you know, control to the ship. But basically, they're just going wherever the storm's taking them. And they have no idea where they are. No idea in the middle of the Mediterranean. Day and night, days are going by, in fact... It says here, it's going to tell us later, it's two weeks like this. The weather particularly, translate this, and then you're in the middle of the Mediterranean, and you don't know which way is up, and you don't know what day it is, and you haven't seen the sun for all these days. I mean, it's miserable. It's miserable. And think of everything that goes along with that, too, okay? All right? How many people tend to get seasick? Let me just see your hands. Come on. Let me just, okay. So what happens? Now, you, you put yourself out in the middle of the Mediterranean, and it's just, you're constantly being buffeted by the winds in the storm i mean there's no peace all right so everybody's tossing cookies it's not a pleasant scene verse 21 after the men had gone a long time without food that's why everybody's chucking it so nobody's eating they'd gone without food paul stood up before them and said men you should have taken my advice not to sail from (laughs) Crete." yeah isn't that comforting to know (laughs) even the apostle paul says i told you so You people listen to me, and everybody's on the side going, and like, listen up. If you don't listen to me, people, you know, they don't care. But he's going to tell them anyway. You people should have listened to me. And then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Verse 22, he says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. Uh, Even though I told you so, be strong. Because, he says, not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Well, that's not all that comforting. I don't know. Well, okay, I'm not going to die, but the ship's going to be destroyed. What is that going to mean? How is that going to work out? Well, he tells them, verse 23, that last night an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. Let me pause there and just, just ask you a question. If an angel shows up and says, do not be afraid, what's the assumption? Paul's afraid. It's legit. It's okay to be afraid sometimes. And the angel of the Lord says to him, don't be afraid. Comforts him. He says, you must stand trial before Caesar. Okay, this is all part of God's providential plan. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Let me tell you what that also implies. He had been praying for the entire crew. He had been praying for them because in answer to his prayer, the angel says, and God's going to give you give you graciously the lives of all who sail with you. So, Paul says, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. <laughs> all right, so he doesn't have all the, all the pieces. He just knows we're going to be okay. Everybody's going to survive. Ship's going to be destroyed. We're going to end up on some island somewhere. And he doesn't have all the details. God isn't obligated to give us all the details, but it's good when he gives us some so that we can be comforted with just enough. And so it's point number three on our list. God will see us through our storms. Okay. Now, it may not always happen the way we want to see the storm resolved, but God will always see us through. God will always see us through. You know, if, if we hold on to the fact that God is good and he loves me as my father then we can trust whatever we, every storm we go through, our loving Father's going to take care of us. It may not always work out exactly as we anticipate, but we can trust that because God is good and He, he loves me as His child, He's going to take care of us. So the shipwreck, verse 27. On the 14th night, okay, two weeks like this, on the 14th night we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Okay, right, so we know soundings are they, they're dropping something down to determine the depth, and so they're pulling it back up. So it's going from 120 feet down to now 90 feet, so they can tell they're getting closer to land. Verse 29 Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors f- from the stern. And prayed for daylight. I bet they did. And in an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors, notice this, this is the crew, not the passengers. The sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. All right? Not not the most courageous guys here. They're, They're bailing ship. So then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, because Paul sees this, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. <laughs> so, you know, here are these guys, like they're creepy. They're like, you know what, we're going to die. We got, this, we got the lifeboat. Let's go ahead and just cut it loose and we'll save ourselves. So they're, they're there at the bow of the ship and they're starting to saw, you know, the, the thing loose that they can jump into it. And the Roman. After Paul exposes this plot, the Roman uh, soldiers come along, they're just like, whack! And then the, the lifeboat goes away, and now the sailors have no plan of escape. So they're, they're, all, they're all in, it's like, you know, we're all in this together. We're all going to survive, we're all going down with a ship one way or another. But nobody is bailing ship here. I got a point. Number four, from that scene right there. We might be tempted to escape from our storms, but God's grace is only experienced through our storms. Every single one of us, when we're in the middle of something difficult, the natural tendency, of course, is I just want to escape this. I just want out of this. And, you know, it's wonderful when God sometimes does just deliver us out of it. But a lot of times what he wants us to see is his grace through it. Because sometimes the only way that we get to experience and witness the goodness and the grace of God is, is by the way he sustains us through it. Otherwise, if he just delivered us from it, we would never see the wonderful way that he was at work on our behalf. So even though this scene here is this picture of people who obviously, we don't want to go through this, we would just rather escape, that's human nature, yet it is only through the storm that we actually get to see the grace of God. And we're going to see it here. We're going to see it in this story. Verse 33, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. Okay, he says, for the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. And then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged. And ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. That's the number there given to us. He says, when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Okay, so, you know, after 14 days, they've been seasick. They haven't wanted to eat, um, haven't had time to eat, been too afraid to eat. And so now things have started to subside. It's not completely over, but it's subsided enough. And Paul realizes, again, in a practical way, we need our sustenance here. We, you know, we, we need nourishment. So he says, you guys have to eat. You guys haven't eaten for 14 days. You need to eat. Eat. So he, he says, eat. And he, and he sets the example. He prays, and he breaks bread, and he eats himself. And then again, it says that they lighten the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Because if they're, if they're about made, ready to make landfall, you know, you, you want to be able to glide in there. You don't want to come crashing in there with all of this stuff on board so so they're lightening the ship here so this is point number five okay when in a storm do your best and leave the rest when in a storm do your best and leave the rest in other words leave the rest to god there's only so much that we can do and then we just have to trust the lord but there is something we can do what paul says here this is this much we can do we should eat for our own strength and nourishment And let's unload all the grain. Let's throw it off here because, you know, in a practical sense, this is the wise thing to do for us to to make landfall as best as we possibly can. So there was something that they could do. When people go through difficulties and challenges and and the storm of their own life, sometimes the tendency is to be so paralyzed, you don't do anything. And then sometimes we end up getting so hyper-spiritual, we just think God's going to do everything. And God can do anything, okay? He's sovereign and powerful to do whatever he wants. But what we see throughout Scripture is that God also desires for us to engage our own participation in in his purpose and in his plan. So, you know, it's kind of like as simple as if you're out of work, you know, it's not like just sit back on the couch and pray that God will bring a job along. Send out your resume, too. It's that idea. It's like, all right, I believe God could providentially drop a job in, in your lap if you're out of work. But I also know that he wants us to engage and participate in his purpose and plan for our life. So kind of do something, too. Send out your resume. So that's the kind of idea here. It's like, it's like, all right, we're, we're going to make landfall one way or another, but let's let's eat. Because we're going to have to start to, you're going to find out here in a moment, some of them are going to be swimming for safety. And you're not going to be able to swim very well if you haven't eaten for 14 days. So you need to get up your strength, get up your nourishment. Let's unload all the grain, and let's let's go for this. So... There's this practical side to it, and and so I just like this point here that I think the word is making about when in a storm, do your best, and then leave the rest. we got to trust God here in this as well. Verse 39 says, When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. And then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life. Notice this is Julius again. This is why I wonder if... Maybe he gets converted in this process of being with Paul, and maybe maybe we'll see him in heaven. He's very favorable towards Paul. And the centurion wanted to to spare Paul's life, so he's going to spare everybody's life. So he kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land in safety. Okay, again, when we're at point a and god's ultimate will for us is point b the best way is a straight line but we're not always going to get there in a straight line either sometimes because we're not getting things right maybe we're not clearly discerning some of the different turns we need to be making in the course of getting from a to b or maybe quite honestly maybe there's disobedience in our life and so we're we're not on track with where God wants us to be. We're going to see here in a moment that this is a very zigzag plan in Paul's life. It has nothing to do with sin in his life, but it's part of God's providential plan. But, but that said, the most ideal is to get from point A to point B in kind of a straight line. And sometimes we have in our heads the ideal way that we think life is always going to go. And what we need to realize is that God is still sovereign and in charge, The getting from point A to point B may not be as direct as we sometimes think or want. And that we need to accept that. That God ultimately will get us to point B, but it may not be in a straight line. You know, it, it would have been wonderful for Paul just to get from Caesarea to Rome and have beautiful weather on the way and for him to just soak in the beauty of the Greek islands as he floats by them in the Mediterranean on his way. To Italy, okay? But we're going to see here a very zigzag way of getting there. But God's still going to get them there. So they're going to get there. Some of them are swimming. Some of them, you know, on planks like life preservers. But they're going to reach the land in safety. Well, chapter 28, one safely on shore we found out that the island was called Malta. So Malta, it's about 58 miles, tiny little island in the Mediterranean, about 58 miles south of the island of Sicily, uh, just below the boot of Italy. So that's Malta, little island in in Malta. And uh, verse 2 says, that "...the islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood... And as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. I mean, if, if it's not bad enough, you know, you've been shipwrecked, you've barely made it to the island, and then you go to help and, you know, get some firewood, and out from the, from the firewood comes a snake. It's a poisonous snake. It, uh, the viper was uh, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. And when the islander saw the snake hanging from his hand, it's not a pretty picture, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. So they think this is, uh, this is judgment against him. And justice, you know, they're gods. so these are, you know, unbelievers here. So they think, well, the gods are punishing him. And that's why the gods sent this viper. Verse 5, but Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. Oh!
1: The book of Acts is so full of the Holy Spirit and the joy of the newly formed church. Though Jesus has left the earth for an unknown time, he didn't leave his followers alone. He gave them the same gift offered to us even now, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. When we accept Jesus' sacrifice of love as our only hope for salvation, we automatically receive the Holy Spirit to help us as we grow in faith. Today, you too can have the Holy Spirit. We'd love to talk more with you about this. So please feel free to give us a call at 703-771-1500. If you already know Jesus, we'd still love to hear from you and be able to encourage and pray for you. Our number again is 703-771-1500. Are you in the Leesburg area? If so, come join us for our weekly services at Cornerstone Chapel. We meet each week on Sundays at 830 at 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Come get to know us better, meet Pastor Gary, study the Bible, and spend time worshiping God for all He's done. Directions to Cornerstone Chapel can be found on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. Join us next time to learn more about the early church in the Book of Acts, right here on Cornerstone Connection.
2: They say you're... That you got no place to go But still you know, still you know. You're not alone